Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Water Cooler, the world's most statistically average sports podcast. Brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals, featuring 335 shows with a stable of former players and local media personalities. Check us out today at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V. My name is Ryan Saber, the most electrifying voice in sports information. And with me, as always. What's up, guys? It's Lukey. What are we talking about today? I'm going to love that every time. I'm going to laugh every time. <laughs> NBA playoffs. We'll talk a little bit about the Eastern and Western Conference finals. A couple good series there. I got a couple other NBA topics I want to talk about. I want to go back to the foreign substances talk we had in baseball from a few weeks ago. Just give a little bit update on that. They're now checking pitchers. So I want to get a little insight from you on how that's been. It's been pretty well publicized so interested in that and then I want to talk a little football topic I saw something today on Twitter and I want to get your thoughts on it before we get into the show a word from our sponsor the month of June is heating up heck the month of June is almost over and there's tons of exciting sports action and bet online is where you can find it from basketball and hockey playoffs Stanley Cup finals start tonight to baseball's marquee matchups, there's plenty of lines, prop bets, and futures to love. You got any bets this week? We're both, we both lost last week. Uh, was not, yeah. not our finest moment. But, well, um, I lost on some bullshit, but we're not even going to get into that. Eh, you lost. You lost. Uh, yeah, I, there's, no, there's no basketball line for tomorrow yet up at Bet Online. So, um, it's seven. We're, it's up. It's Unless they next, pulled it. For tomorrow? Yeah, for the Bucks. Because I'll... All I see is the Suns and then some. Uh, they may have pulled it when they when they put the report out that Trey was questionable. It was seven. Yeah, right now there's nothing. Oh, there it is. I got it. Seven. Well, shit, I'll give you two picks then. Uh, let's go with the Milwaukee Bucks minus seven. Mm. And let's also take a golf. Let's have some fun. You know, we're down after last week. Let's have some Where fun. Where are they at take- this week? We're there in Detroit for uh, the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Bryson DeChambeau is in the field and defending, but we're going to have some fun. We're taking Siwoo Kim at plus 40, or uh, probably, sorry, plus 4,000, 40 to 1 to win. Sounds good. Bet Online is all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. NBA playoffs, man. Listen, in general, the NBA playoffs have been phenomenal. I feel like they are every year. I mean, NBA playoffs is playoffs in every sport are, are amazing because it's the best of the best. The cream always rises. This year in the NBA, it's been a little bit more exciting, I think, because sort of the the usual suspects are completely out of the fold. The teams that most people, not me, but the teams that most people thought would be in the finals, the Lakers and the Nets, they're both gone. So, you know, there's just, there, there's a new cast of characters. We talked about it way back when the playoffs started, how these young players are really stepping up and and just making a name for themselves. And you can see the next wave of players coming. So it it's just in general, it's been very, very exciting. I think I've watched more NBA. I don't think I've missed a game. I'm serious. I did not watch very much of the blowout on Friday night, but I still watched some of it. I don't think I've missed a game and I've been totally locked in to this playoff. So let's start Western Conference first. Because game five is tonight. Suns are up 3-1. This series doesn't look like the Clippers are long for the world. I'm just curious. You know, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. But, you know, what's your big takeaway from the first four games of the series so far? And 
you, how far do you see this thing going? Um, I could see the Clippers winning tonight. I can't see it going much farther than six, though. Also, I, I my biggest takeaway is that the Suns, once whatever happens with CP3, whether he's going to be on the team next year or not, they're going to be fine for a long time. Booker and Aiton are really, really good. Um, and that's, you know, that might be, you know, a, a top five, top six tandem in the NBA. But uh, then you add in Chris Paul. Now, the one thing is, is they looked markedly different in games one and two than they did in games three and four. And I mean, I don't know how much you want to take from game four. Both teams went about four or five minutes without a made field goal in the fourth quarter. And that was real tough to watch. But um, Chris Paul does have a tendency to micromanage the game a little bit. And I think that that was fine when you were with uh, Oklahoma city, you know, and it was a bunch of the young guys and even earlier in, in early rounds here. But I think, you know, seeing what we saw from Booker in in game one and then Aiton pretty much this entire playoff uh, run is, you know, let them spread their wings a little bit and go, but yeah, I I think the Suns are going to be fine past this, this series, or I'm I'm sorry, past this year with, with or without Chris Paul. And, and um, there were some comparisons, some, uh, some prominent media members comparing him to Kobe Bryant, which, that's a little rich for my blood. That's a little rich for my blood, but uh, you know, I could see him being a, a light version of that. Now he'll, he'll need to play some more defense, but um, certainly the offensive game is, is there, but yeah, I, I think that the the Suns are headed to their, their first finals since I believe it was 93. You know, we'll talk about the Eastern conference later. I think that's a really good take, right? Just in general, the idea that they're going to be fine. The idea that Aiton and Booker are sort of a top, five six seven eight combo in the nba the other thing that i didn't think about and and you kind of brought to my mind phoenix now becomes a little bit of a free agent destination right so you know guys that are maybe ring chasing a little bit they say you know maybe we go to phoenix especially if whether they win, win, win or lose in the finals, right? If they make it to the finals and then win or lose, I think it becomes a little bit of a destination. Maybe they don't have to, you know, re-sign Chris Paul. Maybe they can sign a guy like Kyle Lowry who's got championship experience that they can get at a, a, a reduced rate from Chris Paul and still be very, very competitive. So I really like that take. I think it's really interesting. The Clippers should be up 3-1 in this series. They're not but they should be. Mm, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say could be, I'm going to say, hold could on, be. hold on. They should be that shit in game three was the most unbelievable. The, all the, the replays and everything game two, game two, game two with Deandre Ayton, where he, where he tipped it in. I mean that first of all, it went off of him or went off of bridges. Maybe. They replayed it and they they couldn't see that. Give them an extra timeout. Unbelievable shit going on there. But well, so, the Clippers had asked for the review, which they wouldn't have gotten that extra time to draw up the play. I, I hear you, but the, the the officials should have seen that it was. I think this has been a poorly officiated series, especially at the end of the game. What Saturday night? There was a lot of missed calls. They had the exact same replay situation where a Clippers player hit the ball and it went off of the sun's dribbler's hand. They didn't review it this time. I think they caught too much heat for it. Uh, Bridges fouled. I'm trying to think who he fouled. Matt um, man. When he, when he dunked and they didn't give him a three point play, there was just a lot of different things. So my big takeaways here, the Clippers could, should, we'll debate over the, the, the language there very easily could be up three, one in this series. Clippers are the best, were the best three-point shooting team in the regular season from a percentage standpoint. <laughs> There's they were six for 37 in the first half of games three and four. And when I say they were six for 37, I would say probably 27 of those 37 threes were wide open. Batum, Paul George, all of them. I tried to tell you about Batum last week. Uh, missing so many open three-pointers, it it was really difficult to watch. And furthermore, Kawhi shot 40% from three this year, too. So, I mean, and they're obviously he's not playing, so. 
right. And that changes the game a lot for them, but you know, look, he's not there. So the other thing that I would say is the Suns are up three, one, the Clippers have had their opportunities to win games in games three and four Booker and CP three are a combined 24 for 84. Okay. (laughs) They are not going to shoot sub 30% for the rest of this series. So the Clippers have had their opportunities to win games and they haven't. And I like the Clippers. You know, I like the Clippers. I've been on the Clippers for a couple of years. They disappointed me last year, this year. They've, they've definitely come to play Bobby Jackson, man, Mr. June the guys un fucking believable. I love watching him play. He's, he's been a huge breath of fresh air for that team. He's played very, very well, but, Man, DeAndre Ayton is – he's the real deal. At a time when I was kind of quietly in my head thinking, you know, is this guy going to end up being a bust? Uh, he has emerged in these playoffs as a serious, serious player. 19 points, 22 boards, four blocks, and an 84-80 win. He's been the difference in the series. They're not winning. The Suns aren't winning games because of Chris Paul. Well, they won game one because of Booker, but they're not winning games because of Chris Paul. I mean, they've won their other two games primarily because of. He's the reason they're not down 3-1. DeAndre Ayton's performance. He had nine offensive rebounds in an 84-80. He, he, that's the difference in that game. Mm-hmm. When you get nine offensive rebounds, I mean, man. So the big takeaway there is just Clippers could, should be up 3-1. They've had their chances to win games. I don't think any more games they're going to have a chance to win. Aiton's really emerged, and I think it's over tonight, baby. I think think it's a wrap. Just some heartbreaking losses. Paul George, man, free throws, buddy. Free throws. At the end of two games, he's – been terrible at the free throw line. He's supposed to be a superstar. He's paid like a superstar. Superstars hit free throws. We'll get to Giannis in a minute, I guess. I don't I don't know how much we're going to talk about that, but you know, outside of Giannis, superstars hit free throws. So, man, I'm I'm happy for the Suns. I'm happy for the organization. You know, I'm I'm a huge Devin Booker guy. Happy for Chris Paul because he's been so close so many times. I think it's over tonight. Yeah, I I, I like it. I think the Suns are are uh, are going to get there. Like you said, too many heartbreaking losses, and yeah, I, I just I, and maybe we'll get uh, you know Chris Paul. Maybe he's got some legs under him too. After we talked about what the effects of COVID might be on him, and uh, you know he hasn't looked great. So maybe maybe tonight we'll we'll get a better view, uh, better idea of of what he's going to look like going forward. It's a good point. Good point. All right, let's transition to the Eastern Conference. Bucks are up 2-1. Kind of same question. Game four of that series is Tuesday night. What's your big takeaways from, from the first three games? That uh, I, I don't really understand the Giannis hate. We see a lot of that on Twitter, and I get it. I get the free throws and all that, and uh, I do think that the – the counting from the fans is hilarious. You know, they're getting up to 13, 14, 15. I think it's funny. But um, 29 points, 13 rebounds, five and a half assists through the playoffs for Giannis on 62% inside the arc. The guy, dude, he's an unstoppable force right now. And we talked about it last week on the show that that they kind of have to get out in front and coast. You know, they're best when, when Giannis gets 30, but he's only playing 32, 34 minutes and his quote on Chris Middleton, I thought, was like one of the most self-aware things that we've heard from a star. You totally know, like, agree. Because he, I think maybe maybe he's turned a corner, but we were pretty hard on him last week. Just about that that last, you know, that last four minutes and them trying to create offense. And he's just like, no, nah, if he wants it, I'm going to give it to him because, like, he for one, he trusts him, and for two, we saw it last night is like he's going to knock it down with 20 points in the fourth quarter. You know, he was able to ice the game for him. And and Giannis is incredible. So, you know, that's another guy we talked about, you know, Booker and Aiton. You know, Giannis and, and Middleton are probably they're they're in the top four of, of best tandems in the NBA. So Giannis is a star, and it seems like 
he's really self-aware and uh, he's might've turned a corner here at, at maturity and he's ready to uh, I think that they're ready to go the next step. I mean, who knows with Trey, maybe he can come back. I know that, that he missed some time in, uh, in game three, but uh, the Hawks were able to actually come back and take a lead. If, you know, if uh, Middleton doesn't go microwave on him, they, they might have a chance in that game, but who knows? Uh, but, but yeah, I think, I think this next time we talk, the finals are going to be set sons of bucks. Yeah. I didn't realize Trey had paper ankles too. I didn't realize he was wearing the same ankle braces that Steph Curry did until he hurt his ankle. I saw a little bit of hate on Twitter for the, for the official, the official was standing out of bounds. Right. So it's not like the, the you know, he like ran up under him and, and took his ankle out. And to be honest with you, that was a relatively tame ankle tweak. I mean, they all hurt. We've all been there. They all hurt. But yeah, he's, it, didn't, it wasn't like where Kyrie's no came over and touched yeah, the bone. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, it was it, we've all rolled our ankle in a game or whatever pickup game. And that to me looked like one of those. I just think he's got serious ankle problems. And that's why he's wearing those. Forrest Gump, remember the leg braces that Forrest Gump used to wear? (laughs) I mean, that's what it looks like on his ankle. So I'm concerned about that just big picture long term because for years, Steph Curry had major ankle problems. And Trey Young is in the same stage of that. Of There was about three or four years there where Steph Curry could not stay healthy because of his ankles. And they really started to do some extra things very similar to kind of what LeBron does for his body, what Floyd Mayweather used to do for his hands because he used to break his hands a lot. Just a lot of treatment, constant treatment, consistent treatment. They may have to go to that regimen with him if he's going to be tweaking his ankle in that way. I think good too, news is, is that Curry hasn't had much issue with it since right. you know, he got that first max. Same thing with Floyd oh, I'm Mayweather. Sorry, that, that, yeah. Right. Yeah. Once he started doing the whole thing where he would soak his hands in milk and then rice and yeah. stuff like he didn't break his hands anymore. So I think they need to be very proactive with that because that that ankle tweak concerned me. I think tomorrow night or excuse me, Tuesday night is a must win for Milwaukee. You don't want the Suns sitting around. You don't want this series to to extend. You don't want to give Trey time to rest that ankle. I think they don't want to screw around with this thing. They need to treat Tuesday night's game like they lost last night because of all those dynamics. You don't want to screw around extending the series. You don't want the Suns just sitting around resting and waiting for you because you saw what happened the last time Devin Booker was able to sit for five, six, seven days. He dropped – you know, 40 or whatever, almost had a triple-double in game one of that series. And you've seen Booker. You know, I talked about it. He's still a young player. And I think as the series goes on and teams start to kind of get him a little – now, look, Pat Bev has played outstanding defense on him. But, you know, you, you see that. So, I'm, I, I just I, – I want the Bucks. If, if you're listening, Coach Budenholzer, Giannis, I know you guys are big fans of the show. We need to treat this game on we we need to treat this game on Tuesday night like it's a must win. And I think the last thing, Chris Middleton, you talked about him going microwave. I think Chris Middleton, he may not be a superstar, but he's at the upper, upper echelon of star. Like he if you have your group of superstars and then the next tier below it, he's right there. He's a player that. I think a lot of people, he's not a household name. And to be honest with you, he's not, he's not a casual fan. Even, you know, whatever the the tier is between casual fan and diehard fan, he's probably not a well-known name in that category as well. He is getting there because of his performance. I mean, he started these playoffs game one of the first round against Miami and hit, hit the buzzer beater to win and to win game one of the, of the playoffs. So, you know, he's just kind of been performing consistently. Him and Giannis are the first players in NBA history teammates to have 30 points and 10 rebounds each in three games. 
that's that's never happened before. So, you know, these guys are, are making history. And I think one other little side note here that I think is really important with the Trey Young injury, Drew Holiday's been chasing that motherfucker around. Chasing him around, and, and his offense has suffered from it significantly. He has not been an, a, a, an offensive force in this series. That could change. And now all of a sudden, instead of going three for 12, maybe he's going eight for 15. And, you know, these games start to be – you don't need Bobby Portis to, you know, have 15 points and those kind of things. It, it just becomes a completely different situation. So I think Drew Holiday is a player to watch as this series goes on. I'm hesitant to say that it's over in five, but – it could be, especially if the Bucks can win Tuesday night. Now, all of a sudden, they got to close out game in game five with most likely the Suns sitting there waiting for them, and there's a little bit more of a sense of urgency there. Yeah, definitely I could see that. I could see, uh, you know, if the Suns were to win tonight, I could see that giving them some added motivation. But, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really see it going much past, past five. Okay. Other NBA topics. I got some, I got a couple other things for you. All right. Now, Luke does not know what I'm going to ask him. So hit me. We're probably going to get some eye rolls on this one. Let's talk trade rumors. The Nets fielding offers for Kyrie Irving. Huh? Where did you get that? Already. So, former, I'm calling him former Brooklyn Nets insider because I guarantee he ain't a Med Nets insider anymore. Matt Sullivan, who just got finished writing a book. On the Nets, he has inside sources of the team put out a report on Friday or maybe Saturday that the Nets are fielding offers for Kyrie Irving. Kyrie responded in the way that Kyrie always does with a cryptic post on Instagram. Big deal, little deal, or no deal? I mean, it's... It's a little deal. I mean, there's, it's definitely not a no deal. I don't think it's a big deal. They're not going to trade him. Well, you've been around before on a, on a team where they were talking about trading Kyrie. You know how that shit can go south real quick. Yeah. And probably this getting out doesn't help the situation, but I think that he, he went there with the idea of playing with Kevin Durant. So Kevin Durant's not out there saying trade Kyrie Irving. So I, I think that that, that might go a long way. He's good friends with Blake, although Blake is a free agent. And and actually, he played really well with Harden when uh, when when KD was out and it was just the two of them. And I think that Harden's a really great fit for a guy like Kyrie because uh, Kyrie can kind of do his own thing. And and while James does does uh, shoot a lot when it, when it's just him on the floor, he uh, he does get plenty of assists and gets other people involved. So I think that they're a very good match. I don't think he'll be as disgruntled with this news getting out there as he would be in a different situation like maybe one we've seen in, in the past, but um, so I'll say, I'll say little deal. I think it's a little deal, but I think it's a slightly bigger deal than you do for a couple reasons. I think there's already organizational fatigue with Kyrie from the Brooklyn organization, which I've heard on the talking head shows from the Chris Broussards of the world, the Stephen. A. Well, Smith's how could there not the be? I mean, he just disappeared twice. Absolutely. So if that information gets out there and the right team calls you with the right offer, now all of a sudden, I'm not saying that Kyrie is getting traded, but I, and I don't think that it's a big deal, but I think it's, I do agree with you that it's a little deal. I think, but I think it's a slightly, slightly bigger deal than you do because I think the Nets did a really good job of underplaying some of the breaks yeah, that care he, of how frustrated they were with the breaks that he was taking during the season. I mean, there was reports that that first break he took that Steve Nash didn't even know where the hell he was at. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So I got to believe that this is a team that feels like they got a window over the next couple of years and you know, they just don't want to deal with that stuff. Kyrie's a very talented player. But it's something to watch. My guess is, you know, I'm not going to say it's zero percent. I, I would say it's probably less than a less than a 10 percent chance that he gets traded. But you never know, you know, and there's another point guard 
and that's a great transition to the next topic. There's another point guard that has come out in the last couple of days. He's unhappy with his organization and he's talked about wanting to get traded and that's Dame Lillard. He's unhappy with the hiring of Chauncey Billups. He's not necessarily satisfied with the direction of the team. And there's actually, I counted them and I went down. There's actually seven potential landing spots. So before I get into those potential landing spots, I guess just thoughts on Dame. Do you think he's going to get traded? And then probably what you think, if you do think he's going to get traded, where you think would be, a, uh, you know, probably an ideal location for him. And it can't be the Cavs because he's going to want to go to a winner. So, I mean, we talked about this at the, uh, I think it was the, the, the show after the Lakers were yeah. eliminated. We just said it's going to be, there's going to be somebody within the next three months that's going to be disgruntled and one out. And, um, you know, I even mentioned Dame specifically. I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't predicting that or anything like that, but, uh, you know, he had just lost a playoff series and they just fired their coach. So I'll say it makes sense in the sense that this is the NBA landscape. Um, this is how it works. You know, stars yeah. get frustrated. They want to win. They want to dictate their own terms. So I'll say it's not surprising from that standpoint. Although just listening to James comments in the past, it's a little bit surprising. You know, he's talked about, oh, I don't want to recruit. I don't need a super team. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Landing spots. I, I don't know what the seven are that, that, uh, that you saw, but I, I would say, I think if you're Philly, you got to go get him. Um, I don't know how interested Portland would be in Simmons, but uh, I think the money would probably closely match up at that point for the trade to be valid. And maybe if, if they are trading, if they do decide to trade him, I think, you know, Ben's not, a, the, you could, you could do worse than Ben Simmons. You know, you probably trade, well, you might want to keep McCollum at that point for the shooting, yeah. but, uh, but maybe you can, maybe you can do something with him there. And, uh, or maybe you tear it down and start over, right? You start you over and, and you build a team around Ben Simmons in that case, maybe. Yeah. And I don't think that that's a bad idea either. He might need that. He might need to, he might need to start all over just, just like coming into the league with a bad team. So, and they can just build the team around him instead of, you know, drafting number one overall picks for three straight years or whatever it was with what Philly was doing with Hinky and just taking the best player. So, so maybe that, maybe that is something that Philly would be interested in, but, but I think if Philly do, or I'm sorry, Portland, but if Philly does get him, I think that that's a great fit. And I would say that would make him the second favorite in the, in the East. Ah, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. That would make the East really appealing. You know, there's there's three teams right there at the top. And then it's with uh, Dame, with Dame, Embiid, and um Toby. Yeah. Tobias. Yeah. So I think if you're Philly, I think if you're Philly too, you gotta you gotta do something anyway. You gotta you gotta find somebody. And, yeah. and you know, he's if this is the case, I doubt you're gonna find a bigger star that's that's uh that's requesting out. So Philly's one of the seven. They were actually the first that I saw there's four Eastern conference teams, three Western conference teams. I'm going to save the team that I think is the ideal landing spot for last. Okay. All right. So number one's Philly. The package that I saw was Simmons, Maxi, Tybal, and three number ones. That's a pretty nice package. Wow. That, that is attractive. If you're, next, if you're Portland, that's a nice building I block agree. right there. I agree. The next was the Knicks, R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, Emmanuel Quickly, and three number ones. I think that's a great package as well, but I don't think it's as good as Philly's package. Boston. This one's interesting as well. Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and three ones. So basically what Boston's doing there is they're saying, okay, we're going Dame and, and Jason Tatum, and we're going to figure this thing out. That would be a lethal combo. I don't think Boston does that. It's just not in their nature. Now, you don't know with Brad Stevens, but, you know, we've seen his first move already. It seems to me that he's yeah. about. <laughs> they got a point guard spot open. <laughs> uh, the next was Miami. Nun, Hero, Achua, and two ones. Miami's already shown that they're a little hesitant to trade Tyler Hero. Um, Wait, what was the package? Say it again. None. Kendrick Nunn, yep. Hero, Precious Achua, and two ones. If that if they get a chance to do that, they got to pull the trigger. 
Yeah, I don't know. Tyler Hero's lost a lot of value. Kendrick Nunn, you know, his, that that situation with him in Miami is kind of a roller coaster. Precious exactly hasn't really my point. Done anything? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. The next one is Denver. Uh, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr. and three ones. I think that's very attractive, but I don't think Denver does it because, well, I mean, Jamal Murray's their primary ball handler. Uh, I just I, I don't think that happens. Dallas, this is another one. I just don't think it's enough. Porzingis, Dwight Powell and three ones. I don't think you trade Dame for basically Porzingis and three non-lottery picks. You know what I mean? I mean, that's that, that team's gonna be in the playoff in the playoff race for for a while. So the 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 picks really don't have much value. So you're trading him for Porzingis, and I don't love it. The one that I love the most, and I would love. <laughs> oh, my God. I would love to see this. The Golden State Warriors. Andrew Wiggins, Looney, and then three ones. And those, well, hold on. But those three ones are going to be, they're high picks. Yeah, it would, be, it would be number seven and number 14 this year. Okay. And then a, a one- you know, in that case, it would be number 32 or 30. I'm sorry. Next year or whatever. So I maybe Chauncey, maybe Chauncey value. Fuck, throw Wiseman in there for fuck's sake. You'd have trade to him, for one. Trade him, that, Wiseman, Wig- trade him Wiseman, Wiggins and three ones. If you roll, listen to me. If you roll Dame, Steph and Clay out there. This is bro, fan fiction. This is I, fan fiction. I understand, fiction. but that gives me like. That to me would be that's you know, in five. <laughs> There's nobody. I listen, I think Kevin Durant is a very clutch player. He's not cl- more clutch than Dame. So he's better at basketball, so he won't need to be that clutch. Nets in he, five. There's nobody right now, technically, that's better than him at basketball. So, you know, there's only one guy that's even close. So just something to watch. I'm going to tell you percentage real quick percentage. You think Dame ends up getting traded as it stands. Oh God, this is, I'll say 17. I'm going to say it's 50, 50. Woo. I really do. He's on, look, he's unhappy with the coach and he's unhappy with the direction of the team. They ba- it's one of those situations. I forget who it was. Oh, Deshaun Watson. Basically they went to Dame, asked him for a list of coaches he would like. And they didn't interview any of them. So it's, it's Deshaun Watson all over again when they asked him who he wanted interviewed and they didn't even interview him. So that was sort of the beginning of the end with Houston. Obviously he's got a whole nother world of issues going on right now, but I'm going to say not questioning your sources, but if that's true, I'll, I'll go, I'll go up to, you know, 50, 50. I I think it's 50, 50, bro. Now you, you can't give the guy away. So unless it's a situation where he just says, look, I'm not going to play. And I don't think he's going to do that. And I really like Chauncey Billups. I think Chauncey Billups is a basketball guy. I think, you know, maybe once Dame has an opportunity to sit down with him and have some conversations, he may change his tone a little bit. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Before we move on, who who is the best player in that list of players you mentioned, in your opinion? Michael Porter Jr. I was looking at that, but I still, I think I'll still go Jalen Brown. It's it's very very close. I think Michael. Um, the thing with Porter is he's a seven footer dude, and he's lethal. Like yeah, and he's got he's got red flags, man. He's got the 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 back issues. He's got back issues. Jalen Brown is probably a better total package. He's a three and D guy. He's he's a dog. You know, he's got the dog in him. I think Porter's got the highest ceiling. I mean, look, let's be honest. The best player on the list right now is probably Ben Simmons. His stock's yeah. just so low right now that right. I think people forget how good of a player he actually is. I still think Jalen Brown's better, but I had you Simmons You think Jalen Brown's better than Ben Simmons? Yeah. Man, I think you're I think that's just you're living it, that's, that's that's not, dude. Jalen is Jalen's criminally underrated. I and really like Jalen. I'm a Celtics guy, man. You know that. I like that team. I like Jalen. I'm. I love. I mean, I, you got to think that the combination of Smart and Jalen Brown and three ones, that to me is a no brainer. I just don't think that the Celtics would make that offer. That's their defense. 
But I mean, if you if you're going Damon Tatum, you know, it's kind of like the they're not as good, but it's kind of like the Brooklyn theory where it doesn't matter. Although we saw that they could play, you know, pretty good defense when they need to. But um, you know, you're, you're banking more on your offense at that point anyway. So two trade situations that we're going to keep our eyes on, you know, over the course of the summer and into the fall here a little bit. I want to revisit the 2018 draft, the 2018 NBA draft really quickly, because we talked about Trey young. We've talked about Deandre Ayton. Obviously Luca is amazing. And then don't forget about the red Mamba, red velvet, Kevin Herter, like (laughs) that all jokes aside, I just like they're calling him the red Mamba now. And that's, that's going to, I'm going to call him that from now on, but Let's talk about the other three guys, Trey, Luca, DeAndre Ayton. Right now, as it stands today, if you had the number one pick and you could redo it, who are you taking? Luca. There's no hesitation. No hesitation. Every time. Even with some of the reports coming out of him yeah. being difficult. Yep. Maybe ran Rick Carlisle out of town. Maybe we don't know that for sure. It sounds to me like it that's could be why. the gambler. It could be the gambler that ran him out of town. The gambler that Cuban hired to to run the front office, apparently. Oh, the analytics guy. Mm-hmm. I think that was part he was of it. Script, he was scripting play, uh, rotations for Carlisle. He was scripting rotations like for his Rick first Carlisle. like his first day on the job. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. I, I could see how that could be a problem. There was even a story that, that he traded for DeLon. Well, he traded. The Mavs had traded for DeLon Wright, and his numbers said that DeLon Wright should be the starter, and Carlisle started him the first game of the year. <laughs> Only game he started all year. It's the battle you and I have, right? Like, <laughs> there's analytics, and then there's, you know, on-field production. You use analytics as a tool, but it certainly shouldn't be the, you know, guiding force. And that's that's old school, new school. I think a lot of teams are going to face that. So without a doubt, 100%, you're saying it's Luca, and it's not even a conversation. For number one, yes. So who's number two? Now we can have a talk. I'm still going to go with – I'm going to go with Trey Young just okay. because he's the unquestioned best player on that team. I know that, uh, you know, they, they played some some teams that were a little hobbled. Uh, the Knicks the Knicks were fully, were fully healthy, but yeah, Embiid had his issues. But he's won two rounds, and he's and he even won. They won game one against the uh, the Bucks. So, just the fact that he's able to get to the West or the Eastern Conference Finals in his first playoff run as the unquestioned best player and leader of the team, I think that I lean that way. Um, yeah, I mean, without Devin Booker and Chris Paul, the Suns aren't where aren't where they are at, right? So, and it's a tougher DeAndre, conference. Yeah, but, but yes, DeAndre Ayton's not. He's never going to be the best player on your team. He could maybe be like the most important or the you know most valuable or whatever. You start getting he might be the most important right now. <laughs> exactly. Right. But, but, but he's uh, not he's not the best player. So I agree with you 100 percent Luca by a a wide margin. And then Trey and Aiton is is a much closer conversation, but Trey is a, is the clear cut second best. Plus two earlier this year we were talking about Aiden, weren't even sure like you know, if he was going to, if he was going to get like a max extension. Right. So, so like, I think you got to take that into play. I think that's kind of the Chris Paul effect and hopefully it sticks with them. And, and, and uh, you know, if, if, and when Chris Paul does decide to, to leave the team. So, you know, but, but yeah, I, I don't think there's, you know, those are, you want to say not the best player, but I think that that doesn't automatically preclude, preclude him from being a franchise player, if that makes sense. I agree. So I think, I think those are three franchise guys. So. Certainly. All right. Let's transition to baseball. We talked about the whole foreign substances thing a couple of weeks ago, the sticky stuff, as they call it. Some guy somewhere was making this concoction, of all this bullshit, pine tar and sawdust and all this. And he sent his receipts to the league and everything. I mean, text messages from all these players, the whole nine yards, crazy story, right? It is what it is. But we went through the first full week of pitchers being checked. It's fucking ridiculous. Like, they're making the pitchers take their, their belts off, their hats off, their gloves off. Pitchers are being checked four times in the first, you know, four innings. 
We saw Joe Girardi and Max Scherzer almost get into a fight. I uh, wish that would have happened. I wish that would have happened. You know, we've seen other guys like Shohei Otani. They they checked him when he was coming up the mound. He was smiling. You know, he's like, hey, check me. Here you go. You know, so it's like, I, I'm just curious your thoughts of the first full week, how it's been managed by baseball. Rob Manfred's taken a lot of heat on this, which he takes heat on everything. Very similar to Goodell. I feel like those commissioners never get it right in a way that Adam Silver, I feel like he gets everything right. But, you know, just just your thoughts in general on how it was handled the first week and just something that stuck out with you on that. Well, I thought it was handled by Scherzer and uh, God, what was the guy's name from the the, uh, the A's, the Romo A's. or whatever? He, the one that just <laughs> fucking threw his shit off and just pulled his pants down. I loved it. I yeah. loved it. They should they should do that every time. Someone said it's like uh, when Dwight Schrute, think, when Michael Scott <laughs> thinks Dwight Schrute's wearing a wire and he just strips everything off. That's that's they should do that every time because this is ridiculous. We talked about how hard this was going to be to police. It's going to be an annoying. It is so bad that even baseball fans are mad about it. That's when you know it's bad. Is yeah, when, like these the guys old, don't like, get yeah. mad about. Yeah, the, the traditionalists. Thing, yeah, yes, they don't get mad about anything. Well, and they get uh, mad you know, about bad flips. They, <laughs> they don't get mad about anything like this. Nothing could ever make them be like, "Oh, the sport is not good." <laughs> you know, they bitch about players, but they're actually against the MLB on this, which is like I think really telling that uh, this is just it's so hard to police it's been going on for too long you know it's like how do you how do you go back and we talked about this this was going to be the biggest issue and i saw it was a yankees pitcher i think got ejected and uh, the first guy got ejected i think it was uh from detroit actually claimed he had only he had only been using rosin which i don't i don't fucking know uh, so i, I don't the know little bag I, that's on the mound that they right fucking... I, I know I, yeah i know but like was he actually just using that? I don't know, but it's just way too hard to police. I, th- I think if you're going to do something like this, I think they have minor leagues to try it. We've seen them test things like this in the minor leagues. So I, I don't know why yeah. they just mid-season all of a sudden decided to make a change for something that was one of those unwritten rules that baseball loves so much for many, and many, many, many years. So you're a stat guy, right? Yeah. 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 I'm going to throw a stat at you. I think it's very possible that this could be both a ridiculous thing and being policed ridiculously, but also end up being very, very good for the sport. Fastballs with a spin rate of 2,500 plus RPM was down 70% in the first week of this full checking. Wow. So it's ridiculous the way they are policing it but it is working. There is a stat out there that shows that now the pitchers, it has leveled the playing field in a way that, you know, steroids allegedly made hitters more effective than pitchers, even though pitchers were taking it. Now, all of a sudden the pitchers found the answer to that and they were, you know, adding much more velocity and rotation and spin to the ball. Well, the stat shows, and I don't know how they're measuring it, Luke. I saw it in sports illustrated today they probably have some kind of spinometer or something like that but it's like the track man in golf that measures all that stuff exactly fastballs four seam fastballs with a spin rate of 2500 plus rpm down 70 percent in the first full week so you know you saw garrett cole got fucking shelled did he yes got shelled and a lot of guys i mean you're seeing some of these guys now max scherzer was was great and that's part of the reason why Girardi kept having him, <laughs> kept getting him checked because he was just, you know, mowing guys down. So DeGrom's been good. I mean, the guys who are the best are, are going to continue to be really, really good. I think the guys like Garrett Cole, the guys like uh, Trevor Bauer, uh, I think those guys who sort of had iffy careers and then all of a sudden, they start being very, very effective. Now, all of a sudden, I think these are the guys that you take a look at. So I'm very disappointed with the way that baseball has policed this thing. It was certainly uh, an entertaining spectacle, but the proof is in the pudding, and they've found a way to level the playing field, and maybe we'll see Maybe we'll see some more offense in baseball. So I was going to say, I guess I shouldn't say I don't know why they're doing it. They're doing it because no one was hitting the fucking ball. It's correct. People want to, you know, 
in their mind, they think that people aren't watching baseball because they aren't scoring any runs. When in reality, people don't watch baseball because it's for the average fan. It's boring. And even when I go to baseball games, I'm there to drink, <laughs> right? And eat hot dogs and, and do all the and stuff. Yell. Around, and, yeah. and yell and do all the stuff around the baseball game. So, you know, something to keep an eye on. I'm going to continue to watch it. Last topic, real quick. I want to talk mock drafts with you. We're going to talk NFL right now. So our, our friend, Ryan Roberts, from the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. We've had Alex Gilstrap on here a couple of times. We've tried to get Ryan. We're still efforting. I think it'll happen eventually. He put out his first mock draft today. And I had Alex on for the second time when you were on assignment a few weeks ago. And we talked, you know, we talked NFL draft coming up 2022 NFL drafts. These guys are already fully engaged. Some highlights from his mock draft. Four quarterbacks in the top nine and six overall in the first round. First quarterback taken, Carson Strong of Nevada, number one to Detroit. Keaton Slovis was the third QB off the board to Philly at four. I think if Philly's picking at four, it's been a successful season for them. The Browns take Alex Gilstrap's number one wide receiver because I talked to him about playmakers, Traylon Burks from Arkansas at 25. I think that's a little high for the Browns, if you will, or maybe low. I, I expect them to be picking a much, um, much later. later in the first round. So just I gave you that. I, I, not, not so much to get you know, feedback on, you know, where he has guys slotted and all that. Cause certainly we lean on Ryan and, and Alex and our guys over there, I believe in NFL draft prospects for that information, but how much stock do you put in July mock drafts? I mean, you're not a big mock draft guy to begin with. I certainly am, but how much stock are you putting in it? As we've become a little bit more engaged in having our NFL draft show and keeping an eye on, on, on draft prospects, is this something that interests you? First of all, I want to defend my stat my status as a not a mock draft guy. I am a mock draft guy, oh. but I am much less interested when the Browns are good. So if they're not picking, True. you know, which uh, you I'll know, give which you we're, that we're, we're accustomed to. If they're not picking in that top ten, I'm I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not as interested. But yeah, I don't I don't watch a ton of college football. We we've been over this. Um, I'm more of an NFL guy, so I think that may. And June, I think mock drafts for those are perfect to get names going in my head so that I can watch some of these guys. And, On Saturdays. Uh, yes. So when I do watch college football, I'm going to want to watch Arkansas now. I'm going to want to watch this kid play. He's 6'3", 225. I pull up and yeah. SEC off fresh. This guy, this guy is trailing Burks. After, after Alex told me about him, I looked him up. And I'm like, this guy's fucking ridiculous. He said he's basically like A.J. Brown. Yeah, so I'm gonna watch a ton. Of, he's he's about four inches taller than AJ Browns too. So, uh, but I, yeah, I'm gonna watch some of these guys now that that I hadn't heard of before. I'm definitely I've heard a lot about this Carson Strong. Hadn't seen him play, but I've heard a lot about him just in the past few months. It's because he plays so, on Tuesday nights. But I'll be watching. I I might not have been if not for May and June mock drafts. But yeah, it, you know. Some of these guys that I haven't heard of, I'd be sure to check them out. And, uh, you know, that's the purpose that they serve for me. I agree 100%. We'll leave it at that. I, I just thought it was interesting. I love mock drafts, but I only like them because of the very reason that you just said. I start looking at them because it gives me guys to watch during the season so I can start to figure out where I think guys are going to be slotted. Carson Strong is definitely – name I heard the first time when I talked to Alex a couple weeks ago, Keaton Slovis is actually a, a name that we've heard the kid from Oklahoma. Um, Rattler, Spencer Radler's a name, but the kid from Boston college Jerkovich or Jerkovic or whatever, he went in the top 10 to uh, Denver. Be, yeah. He's got a, that kid, he's old. Right. But my point is like, I, I love the glamor positions. I love, Stingley from LSU and in the defensive end, that beast from, from Oregon. I'm going to be watching all these guys 
if you have an opportunity, Google Ryan Roberts first mock draft, take a look at it, do the exact same thing that me and Luke are going to do and just use it as a guide to watch guys on Thursday uh, and Saturdays coming up in, in the fall for, for college football. Yeah, shout else? out to Ryan, yeah, shout out to Ryan and Alex for all the work they do. Like these these mock drafts are not easy to do, and they're definitely not easy to do in May and June. So you know they're putting the work in. Love those guys, love the Believe in NFL Draft podcast and uh, Prospects podcast, and love the support that they give us uh, on the water cooler. So big shout out to those guys. Yeah, one more thing before we uh, before we get out of here, I just want to shout out to Nelly Corda. She won the KPMG women's PGA championship yesterday, 22 years old. She was 19 under. She won by three. She was clear of third place by nine strokes. So she went out there and dominated this course, uh, dominated the win. She's the new women's world. Number one, that makes her the first American since 2014 to be ranked number one in the world. And uh, she's also the first American major winner since 2018. So shout out to Nelly. All right. Last thing I got, happy 4th of July to everybody out there. Next time we talk to you guys, next time you hear from us, it'll be, you know, the 6th or whatever. Everybody enjoy the long weekend. For most people, they're off on Monday for the observation of the 4th of July because it's on Sunday. Be safe. Enjoy the time with your family and friends as we transition back into reality. The world's opening back up. So I just want to tell everybody, you know, we fucking made it. We beat fucking COVID. Obviously, there's still some work to do, but just make sure that you enjoy your time with your family and friends because we weren't able to do it for so long in the way that we wanted to, but make sure that you're safe. You got nothing on that? America. Fuck yeah. yeah. America. Now I'm looking forward to seeing the Crockers this Sunday. They're coming over. We're having a little barbecue at, at the Saber Jones household. So we're going to smoke some, some pork and some chicken and do all kinds of stuff. So I'm really looking forward. the way the forefathers intended. That's absolutely right. Don't forget at WC sports pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like, follow, and subscribe us. We are now available on all your favorite streaming platforms, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you can consume podcasts, you can find us. We are also available on the Believe Podcast Network, number one podcast network for professionals. Check us out today at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V. And as always, we are presented by the one and only betonline.ag. With that, we love you and enjoy your lives. Happy 4th of July, bitches. Somebody suck me. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube